I invite you to turn with me in your Bible this morning to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Just one thing I forgot to mention. Uh, For those who um, would like to sign up for the nursery, just nursery at harvestopc.org. That's it. Uh, That's the email, nursery at harvestopc.org. Or if you can't find it, just contact the office and and we'll make sure to help you out. Thank you for that. Romans chapter 8. As we continue on uh, with this wonderful chapter where Paul is assuring us of the work of God that will, uh, that's going to accomplish our salvation and guarantee that we make it to our eternal home, we're going to be uh, looking this morning just at verses 26 and 27, uh, Romans 8, 26 and 27. Uh, if you have your Bible open there in front of you, just remember that we've been talking about uh, the creation has been subjected to futility and the creation groans with eager anticipation for the revealing of our full uh, adoption, our redemption, the redemption of our body. So creation and God's people are yearning for the new heaven and the new earth. We, we want to go home. We, wanna, we want a world where righteousness covers the earth as the water covers the sea, and Jesus Christ is known and loved and worshipped and served and adored as he ought to be. Um, that's what we hunger for, and now Paul is going to show us that God, uh, the Spirit of God is given to help us get there. And so let's give our attention to verse 26 and 27. Paul says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Let's ask for the Lord's blessing. And now, Father, as we come to your word, we pray that the Spirit himself, who inspired these words, would now give us the mind and heart to receive it, to feed from its truth, to be encouraged and comforted, and uh, to be built up in our faith today as we look forward to the day when we will be home. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we've already said this past Friday, uh, Marv Muntz, my brother, in the faith, uh, went home, uh, stepped out of this life and into the presence of Jesus. I um, remember what the Bible says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And one of the reasons that the death of God's saints is precious in his sight is because this is what uh, the Father has determined and purposed from the beginning. He did not save us for this life alone, uh, he saved us that w- for the life that is to come. Uh, that's the ultimate goal, and it is, uh, it's great jo- there's great joy in heaven when one of God's children uh, comes home. I have the sense of a, of a, of a pastor, someone who's uh, been, been called to shepherd people. Uh, when, when, when saints die, it feels much to me like, uh, you know, you, you spent so much time or, um, and work just helping God's sheep get to the shore of the Jordan, and then they pass through, and they're home. They're safe. And I don't need to, I don't need to pray for them anymore. I don't need to preach them anymore. I don't need to counsel them anymore. Um, they, they are they're where they need to be. It's sort of, you know, as a, as a farm kid, you know, you shepherd, uh, you, you, you gather the, the, the cows or whatever, and you, you need to get them back in the pasture, and, and that one's in, that one's safe, and now we need to go find the others. I'm sorry about the, uh, that sort of 
earthy homily, but, but, but that's what it feels like as a pastor. Uh, when dad passed away, that's exactly what it felt like. Dad's home, dad's safe. Randy's home, Randy's safe. When, sis, when, um, when brothers and sisters in Christ uh, pass from this life, they made it. They're, they made it. They've arrived. They're safe in the presence of Jesus. And the, the issue we're looking at this morning is, how did that happen? How did they manage to make it through life? How did Marv manage to make it through this life with all the temptations and trials uh, that, he would, that he faced, all the weakness that he, uh, that he experienced? How, how did he make it home? Because it wasn't by accident. We find this morning that it, one of the key reasons Marv made it home and all of God's children make it through this wilderness into their eternal rest is because the Holy Spirit has been given as our helper. And that's what Paul's talking about here in verses 26 and 27. In fact, he's, he's been talking about the Spirit a lot, if, if you've noticed, through chapter 8, which is a, a chapter about assurance Paul speaks of the Holy Spirit 20 times in the first 27 verses. So when Paul thinks about the doctrine of assurance, how, how can we be confident that we're going to make it? His answer to that question is saturated with references to the Holy Spirit. Verse 2, um, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And then Paul goes to the, to the why, verse 2, because the law of the Spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. And verse 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through his spirit who dwells in you. And verse 15, if we've received the spirit of adoption, um, or we have received the spirit of adoption as sons, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, and the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And so our assurance as Christians is, is wrapped up in the person and the work of the, the Holy Spirit. The Spirit has been given to us as a divine helper who dwells within us and guarantees by His presence and by His work that we're going to make it home. That's why Jesus says in John 16, verse 7, to his disciples who are just devastated at the thought of Jesus leaving them and going back to the Father, but Jesus says to them, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. We need the helper. Jesus is convinced we needed the helper, and that would be to our advantage. Well, let me just ask you this morning, could you use some help? In your spiritual journey, in your, in your Christian life, as you make your way through the wilderness of this world, um, do you need help? Is there any, any weakness in your life? Any um, temptations that still trouble you? Any besetting sins that still trip you up? Any idols in your life that still need to be cast down? Any, any unbelief? Cynicism that needs to be rooted out? Well, if, if you say yes, and I hope you say yes, well, the Holy Spirit has been given precisely for this reason, to help you. To help you make your way home. That's why he's been sent. In our text here this morning, Paul is first going to show us 
our need for the Spirit, and then secondly, the marvelous efficacy, the power, the impact of the Holy Spirit. And so let's first then look at our need. Likewise, Paul says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. When Paul says likewise, he just wants us to know he's continuing to train the thought that he's uh, been developing in the previous verses. As I said there, Paul is talking about um, the the home that um, we long for and that creation is groaning for and the hope that we have, this conviction and confidence that we have, that we're going to... We're going, to, we're going to make it. We're, God has saved us to this end, and so we hope and we wait for that with eager anticipation. But, but here he points out we need more than just hope. We need help. That's what 26 and 27 are about. We also need help. If you remember last week, uh, I used the illustration of uh, being lost in a vast wilderness And um, you had no idea where you were, and you were certain you were going to die, but then you found a map someone had stapled to a tree, and it pointed out exactly where you were, and that there's a town just through the valley and over the next hill, and if you, just about an hour away, and and you were going to be fine. You just had to, you just had to walk that, that final part of the journey. That would be a, that would be a tremendous encouragement. But here's the question. What if you, in the middle of that wilderness, as you're looking at the map, have a severely broken leg and are um, greatly, greatly weakened from lack of food and water, and uh, you realize that you're you're just simply physically incapable of going another hundred feet, much less walking through the valley and over the hill an hour away? You see, then, then the map would be of little help, and your hope would, in fact, be in vain. You, you weren't going to make it. Well, that is the plight of every true Christian when we consider ourselves. We have the map. We have the Word of God. We know how to get there. We, we know what is required of us. But you see, the, there's a profound weakness in us, a debilitating, devastating weakness that is in us. And if you doubt that's true of you, just think of uh, what you know of the story of the Israelites. Uh, The Israelites came out of Egypt, and yet a whole generation of them died in the wilderness. They never reached the promised land. They had the map. They they knew how to get there. God had shown that he was able to deliver them there. But their faith was not sufficient to the trials and temptations they faced as um, a freed people, and they died in the desert. And And that story, Paul will say, these things are written for you. These these stories are written for you. And throughout the the history of Israel, you find um, devastating failures where where people get up and and, um, they're they're engaged in idolatry and sexual immorality. And Paul will say 23,000 of them died in one day. These things are written for you. Because we have this weakness. Our faith is shot through with unbelief. We have fickle hearts. We have wandering minds. The fact is that if the Lord would leave us to ourselves, we would shipwreck our faith in a very, very short time. We tend to forget how profoundly needy we actually are spiritually as God's children. But Paul here reminds us we have a weakness. We need help. 
And that's not something to be ashamed of. Paul was, was not ashamed of his weakness. Remember in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, he prays about this something that's in his life, the thorn in his flesh, whether that's a temptation, whether it's a physical disability, whether that's some weakness in his faith. We don't know what it was. And yet Paul clearly sees it as an obstacle and, and something that's hindering him. And so he prays three times for the Lord to take it away. And God says no. So that Paul can learn that God's grace is sufficient. And Paul then says, well, then I'm going to boast all the more gladly in my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And so weakness is not something to be ashamed of. It's something to freely admit. We don't have this figured out. We're not good at this in ourselves. We're not sufficient. And so the Spirit is given to help us. Well, what sort of help does the Spirit bring? It's fascinating to see Paul's answer. He doesn't say the Spirit helps us in our weakness by removing temptation from us, or the Spirit um, helps us by solving our, our problems, fixing our marriage, healing our disease, removing fear, anxiety. That's not what he, what he says. Those are the things that we tend to desire. Those are the things that we often ask God for, and they're not inappropriate to ask. But just think about your life right now. If God, if, if you could ask God to do anything, anything at all, what would you ask God this morning to do for you? Some, would, some of you would say, I would, I would ask God this morning to save my child or my, my family member. Um, some, some of you would say, I, I would just pray for profound healing in my marriage. Those are good, those are good things to pray for, those, to ask for, to desire. But, but that's not where Paul goes. I don't think many of us, if any of us, would say, the one thing I want God to do for me is to help me pray. And yet that's exactly what Paul says. Why does Paul see that as the great need? And, and the answer is that Paul understands that prayer is the foundation upon which all of God's help for all the other things depends and stands. You see, the, the, the Bible says that there is a direct link between believing prayer and divine aid. A direct link between prayer, believing prayer, and divine aid. That God has ordained prayer to be the ordinary means by which he acts on behalf of his children. And so he calls his people to pray, and he promises them great things when they do. It's throughout Scripture, 2 Chronicles 7:14. If my people who are called by my name, if they humble themselves, and if they pray and seek my face, then... I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. If and then. That's how it works. That's, that, that is the ordinary means that God uses to carry out His will and to, to accomplish our salvation. Well, and so it's no surprise that when you look at Jesus' ministry, as we read in Luke 11, Jesus was constantly in prayer. It's how He did His life. It's how He did His ministry. And he encouraged the disciples to do the same by giving them great promises. 
if they would pray. Matthew 21, 22, he says to them, whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. If you have faith, this is right, if my people then. Believing prayer, God's response. Prayer is what living faith does. We just, I believe there's a God who made the heaven and earth and a God who made me and a God knows what's best for me and a God who is able and willing to help. And so prayer is how we lay hold of the help and, and the power of, of God. Jesus says in John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing, but if you abide in me, faith, ask, and it will be given to you. And so we find that thread throughout the scripture. And, and, and so this is where we are. We're in the wilderness. We're on our way home. But we have this, this great weakness, and, and we need divine help. And the way that we receive help is by prayer. All well and good. What if you're not good at prayer? I've met Christians who barely pray at all. It's just a battle for them. It's a struggle with them. I don't think I've ever met a Christian who says, Pastor, I'm happy to tell you I figured this prayer thing out. I've arrived. I've nothing more to learn about prayer. Who, would, who here would would not say, I'm, prayer has, has, has been a struggle for me. I got a lot to learn. I got a long way to go. I'm not, that, I'm not that good at prayer. I think most of us would say that. So you see the dilemma. Prayer is how we receive the help that we desperately need, but what if we're not, what if we're not good at it? Well, that's why this text is so encouraging, because the Spirit is given exactly where we most need it. The Spirit helps us in our prayer. Well, let's hone it in a little bit and, and ask the question, what is the nature then of our weakness in prayer? Paul clearly believes that we have a weakness in prayer, and he tells us what it is. We don't know what to pray for as we ought. We don't know what to pray for as we ought. So... Prayer is the divinely ordained means to receive help from heaven. And if that's true, then it's essential that we pray for the right things, isn't it? It's essential that we, that we, that we know what to ask for. And Paul says that's exactly where the problem is. We lack the wisdom and the understanding to pray for the things that would actually be beneficial to our spiritual journey and getting home. In fact, isn't it true that we have sometimes prayed for things that would be diametrically opposed to our spiritual safety. We ask for some thing that we think is a blessing in this world, maybe some particular relationship or some job or some financial benefit or whatever it might be, and, and we pray for that thing, and it's not a bad thing in itself. But what we don't realize is that if God would grant us that something that we prayed for, it would be deeply harmful to our soul. That if God would give us that thing that we prayed for, it would, be, it would be profoundly damaging to us, spiritually. I mean, think of, for some of you, how well would you do if you actually were very wealthy? The Bible says it's very hard to get in the kingdom of God and be very wealthy. It's very hard. 
And many shipwreck their faith over the desire to be rich. That's what the Bible says. So, so our natural instincts are often completely contrary, counter to our best spiritual interest. And beyond that, we, we, our, our prayers can be confused and contradictory. For instance, maybe you've prayed, God, make my faith strong. And then in the next moment, ask God to remove exactly the trial that he ordained to accomplish that end. Lord, make my faith strong and please get rid of this trial in my life. That's a contradictory prayer. You see, the fact is that the things that we most need for our spiritual health and, and strength to make it home, the things that we most need are the things for which we are least inclined to ask for as a general rule. So what we really need is to be humbled because God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. What we really need is to be brought under deep conviction of sin so that we can receive the, the forgiveness of God and the, receive the joy of our salvation. We need a season of suffering so that we learn how to trust in God in a way that we never did before. And yet, how often do you ask for those things? Have you ever been in a um, small group or a worship service and there were prayer requests and, and someone says, uh, would you just please pray that God would send a painful, painful trial into my life to humble my wretched pride? I've never heard that. Not, not once. And yet, isn't that, a, isn't that what we need? Well, you see, this is our weakness. We don't know what to pray for as we ought. We desperately need the Spirit's help in prayer because we don't, we don't know what we need and we would ask for things that, that would easily be harmful. Uh, Alec says, Maciej says about this, he says, if, if it were the case that whatever we asked, God was bound to give, if God was you know, obligated to give us everything we asked for, he said, I for one would never pray again because I would not have sufficient confidence in my own wisdom to ask God for anything. I don't know what's good for me. Not eternally, not ultimately. I, I would add this, that if the course of my life was determined by the content of my prayers, I probably would have shipwrecked my faith a long time ago. And this is the beauty of the Spirit. You see, the Spirit helps us right here. The Spirit knows what to ask for, and His prayers are always heard and always efficacious. Let's look then secondly at our divine help. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Greek word for helps here is, is a, it's a combination of words in the Greek, and it just talks about someone coming alongside of you and um, putting an arm around you, holding you up, helping you carry the burden. It, it, it's the help that, of, of someone coming very close. And that's exactly what the Spirit does. He's, he's been given to us, dwells within us, couldn't be more closer. And he partners with us by praying for us. And what a perfect prayer partner. Notice, he prays with perfect wisdom. Paul says, he intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. The Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, perfectly knows the heart and the mind of God, doesn't he? And so he prays then in perfect accord 
with the will of God the Father and the desire of Jesus Christ our Savior. At every moment, the Spirit is in perfect accord and perfectly in tune with all that the Father desires for us, all that Jesus is doing in us. And so He always prays the right thing. Every time. It's beautiful. Perfect prayers are being offered up for you for on your own personal behalf by the Spirit of God who dwells in you. And they are not meager prayers. There is a glorious energy and urgency to them. The Spirit prays for us, Paul said, He intercedes for us with groans too deep for words. The Spirit prays for us with an earnestness we have probably never experienced in our own prayers. With this, this sovereign zeal, this, this steadfast purpose, as the Spirit knows the Father's purpose and will and, 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 and what Jesus is accomplishing and, and working in us. The Spirit, you see, is, is never distracted by lesser things. His mind never wanders and He never asks for anything less than what is perfectly in accord with the Father's will and for the Father's purposes. His mind is always focused on the best things, the things that will produce the most fruit in this life and the most joy in the life to come. That's what he's praying for. And with deep, profound, sovereign earnestness. And he prays with full efficacy. You see, Paul wants us to know that because the Spirit's prayers are always in accord with God's will, they're always perfectly answered. They're always perfectly answered. Never denied. Never slightly altered. Perfectly prayed perfectly answered, and the reason you see that is tremendous news is because those are the prayers that direct the course of your life. That is the foundation. That forms the foundation of our assurance. See, how can, how can we absolutely know that we're going to make it when some people don't? We all know stories of people who've shipwrecked their faith, who walked away and never came back. Born and raised in the church, or once made a great profession of faith. But then something happened, some trial or some um, engagement with the world in a way that their faith could not handle it, they fell away. How do you know that's not going to be you? If God should bring some great tribulation to this country and we lose all the things that we sort of assumed were ours in this life, in this world, is your faith going to be okay? Because Jesus says many, many will walk away. So what assurance can you have? What assurance can I have? Well, this is the assurance. If, if we've come to Jesus in a, with a believing faith, I mean, a, a sincere, humble faith, we, we come casting ourselves on Him, Paul wants you to know that the Spirit of God is praying for you. And those prayers are always answered. Remember when, when, when Peter was going to fall into his great sin, right? Jesus says, Peter, before the, the rooster crows three times, you're going to deny you ever knew me. And Peter says, absolutely never happened. And, and then remember what Jesus says to Peter? Peter, I've prayed for you. 
Satan is asked to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you that you will not fall, that your faith will not fail. That's, that's the gist of it. Peter is going to fall into sin, but Peter's not going to fall away. Judas does. Peter remains in the faith, in, in Christ. Why? Because of the prayer of Jesus. That's why. And that's exactly, you see, our comfort. The Spirit of Christ is praying for us with perfect, powerful prayers. And, and because he prays according to God's will and according to God's purpose, we can have this incredible assurance. Because what is God's purpose for you? Well, we're, we're told, Paul will just go on and we'll look forward to getting into that in, in the coming weeks. God's purpose is those he justified, he's going to glorify. Right? Those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That's God's purpose. In order that Jesus might be the firstborn among many brothers, and those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he glorified, every single last one, from the beginning to end, an unbreakable chain of sovereign grace and mercy. And the Spirit, you see, knowing the purpose of God, prays everything in accordance with that will, and every prayer perfectly heard, so that you are... You're going to make it. Yes, you have a broken leg. Uh, yes, you're, you're, you're malnourished. Yes, you, you, you're going to face trials that is going to rock your faith. It's going to rock your world. It will. But you're not going to fall away if, if you belong to Jesus. Because the Spirit is praying for you. In fact, some of you have been through devastating trials in your life. And I'd just like you to ask, why didn't you fall away? Why are you still in the faith this morning, even if you're struggling? Why are you still in the faith at all? It's because the Spirit's prayed for you, that's why. Or you would have walked away a long time ago. It's an amazing truth. The Holy Spirit is engaged in this glorious ministry on our behalf, and, and that's our assurance, and that's, that's how Marv made it. That's how my dad made it. That's how your loved ones who've gone on to be with Jesus Christ, that's how, they've, that's how they arrived safely home. This Friday, I just read some scripture with the monsmas around Marv's bed. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 4. It says, While we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. That's God's purpose for us. That what is mortal gets swallowed up by life. And in 5.30 this past Friday, that's exactly what Marv experienced. How did he manage to do that? Well, by the grace and power of God, the God who purposed his redemption before the foundation of the world and the son who purchased his redemption by his own blood on the cross and the spirit who prays and prayed for his redemption all the way through his life. That's how he made it and that's our confidence. And friends, so what, what, what incredible courage we can have in this world. The Holy Spirit himself is praying for us. We, we, we don't need to be afraid of anything. Not life, not death, not rulers, principalities, powers, demons, none of it. If you've come to Jesus Christ in living faith, you have been justified, and if, if you've been justified, you are going to be glorified, and the Holy Spirit himself is given to you to pray with efficacious prayers that that is accomplished. How could you possibly be lost? God would have to deny himself. And so, friends, wherever you are in your life and in, your, in, in the circumstances of your world, and wherever you are in the wilderness this week, 
you're going to be okay. The Spirit is praying for you. You're going to make it if you belong to Jesus. And if you don't yet belong to Jesus, then, then that's just the first need, and the Spirit will help you with that too. Confess your sin and call on the name of Jesus Christ, trusting that the Spirit is willing to help you and to take you by the hand and lead you to King Jesus, where you too can be saved. And so we can live in peace. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be anxious. We can be in peace. There's a song the, uh, the Hope Herald uh, sings. I'm, I've been mentioning them. I've been listening to them a lot lately. Uh, Go now in peace. It's it, it just really been on my heart and mind, and I want to leave it with you. Because of all these things that are true, because of the Father's beautiful purpose for you and the Son's love for you and, and death for you and the Holy Spirit's intercession for you, Go now in peace and never be afraid. God will go with you each hour of every day. Go now in faith, steadfast and strong and true. Know he will guide you in all that you do. Go now in love. Show you believe. Reach out to others so all the world can see. God will be there watching you from above. And so go now in peace and in faith and in love. Amen. Oh God, our Father, I thank you for the spirit of Jesus Christ, that our helper. Oh God, I, I pray that we would cherish the ministry of the spirit in our lives. We'd be comforted, encouraged, strengthened, made bold and strong. I pray, Lord, that this would cast out fears. This would Lord, just give us the peace of God this morning. That you are with us. We can't be lost if we belong to Jesus. And, and Lord, I just pray for anyone who does not belong to Christ today that your spirit would do his work and, and open those blind eyes and give a regenerate heart and a sincere faith Thank you, Lord God, that you're willing to do that as we ask. Father, bless us as your people that we live in peace because the Spirit, the Helper, has been given to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're going to sing a song just reminding us of God's faithfulness to hold us. Let's stand together sing, He Will Hold Me Fast.
face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you, give you his peace till Christ come again. Amen. Amen.